Hi everybody, welcome to Catalytic Conversations. I'm Wendy Dickinson, founder of Ascend. I coach business owners through key transitions that are unknown territory. Startup growing pains, partnerships that have gone sideways, mergers, family business systems, and displaced CEOs. My clients are experts in their businesses, but not necessarily in the theory of family systems. And that's relevant because this season we're gonna explore the various ins and outs, ups and downs, and circular paths of family businesses. So a lot of family businesses have reached a point where they need to know how to prepare the next generation, how to let some of that next generation know that they won't be the CEO, and how to get the last generation to move out gracefully so that the next generation can take over. So I've designed a process called the business of family in a family business, and I coach clients in discovering the roles that fit each person best in developing relationships based on authenticity. So I mentioned that this season we're gonna take a look at family businesses, and I have some great guests lined up for you. My guests are gonna share their challenges, pivot points, and their successes. And as listeners, you have the opportunity to reach out and ask questions, share thoughts, and learn from the experiences of these amazing business owners. Today, I'd like to welcome Jay Cowan of Business Owners Exit Strategy. Jay, welcome. Glad to be here, and you look fabulous today, by the way. Thank you, so do you. Thanks for not making that slap feel heard. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jay, I gotta tell you, the story that you have in your personal life about the business that your stepfather had, that one just hit me in my heart. And I have to say that, number one, I think it's so generous that your stepfather agreed to share that experience with others. Mm -hmm. But I also really want people to hear it from you because your telling of it is powerful because it's also, I think, something that happens to other people and we don't want to see that happen uh, no we don't um, and if I'd like to think that if I can as my stepfather would say if I can help somebody else educate them with the experience that he had mm -hmm. you know then we'd be doing something to make life better for a lot of other people yeah I, I think it's definitely one of those situations where totally understandable, but looking at it after the fact, so much to learn. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's the reason, one of the, one of the most important reasons why I do what I do, because of what happened to him, his business, and how it affected um, his family and everything. Mm, yeah. And, and it's worth sharing. And as you had said, before he passed, I asked him if it was okay to share his story, and he said, absolutely. Don't let it happen to poor, some other poor SOB, Yeah. Um, as he said. So you want me to start with, um, I, I can start with a little bit about who he was and the situation. Um, his name was Glenn, and Glenn had a very successful second, he was second generation business. He took it over from his father and really built it to what it became a very successful business. It was, you know, had over 500 employees working in seven states. Wow. Um, he um, was on a first-name basis with virtually all of his employees. And he had a number of these people walking around with 30 and 40-year service watches. Mm. He started out in the, in, in the shop until he worked himself up to an executive position and then took the business over from his father. 
um, and he had a business that was basically using uh, did a, was very much in demand in the power industry, gas, electric, mm -hmm. and any any type of industry that needed to put a person in the air to work on things. So he would take a buy uh, a basic stripped down truck body, and then he would create the the type of utility that would be specific to that particular industry. So he did business. His clients were all up and down the East Coast in the power, he said gas and, and industry, even built. Even built um, fire engines. Oh wow! Uh, in New York, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, um, so in any case, um, he was one of those old-fashioned guys who did everything with a handshake. Uh, his word was always his bond. He created a great management team. Mm. Um, he had the, some of the best advisors the city could, you know, had available. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're in that kind of position you'd have to ask, well, gosh, he's doing everything right. What could go possibly wrong? Mm -hmm. So never, never liking the use, we're tired. He told me one day that he was looking to um, kind of semi-retire. Mm -hmm. He still had some interest in other things. He also owned uh, another business. It was, one of, it was a kind of a yacht business, powerboat, and liked to spend more time with that. Um, and he told me he had really been studying how how he was going to do this because obviously, although he had you know personal assets, the business was still very much the main part of his mm -hmm. his net worth and his mm -hmm. income. So he wanted to do this in a way that that would be protected, but also keep his employees. Wanted to protect his employees because he knew he could sell to another third party and had an offer to buy for a substantial amount of cash. Really? Oh yeah. Um, and because they really thought this business is a great fit for us. Mm -hmm. um, but he said, yeah, but I know it'll happen if I sell the business then I'm going to lose a lot of employees because oh. that's how those people make make their money. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. they cut back, cut back. Okay. He didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. And so it's amazing that somebody cared enough about their people to be willing to even take less money because of that. Um, so, so that's an, one of the emotional things that came into play with his decision making. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting to me because I, what I've heard you say is, you know, this is somebody who cared about legacy, mm -hmm. who educated himself on the options, looked into what would, would be the consequences of some of those options, mm -hmm. and then also really had an understanding of making sure that his assets were diversified, not everything in one, looking for the long-term mm -hmm. leveraging of those assets. It, it sounds like everything was stacked up to work. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, hypothetically, it should have worked. Um, he also had a management team that had been with him for years that he built, he just did a good job of bringing them along and created a team where it didn't matter whether he showed up or not. So were there family members on that management team? No. Uh, so these were all outside of the family? These were all outside. Okay. Now, I, I maybe spoke too soon when I say there was um, no family members. Because he had been a divorced dad and had, had okay. two children prior to um, his marrying my mother later on, because mm -hmm. as my, my father had passed, um, he he had one of his children that had come to work for him um, 
you know, not because he was any, you know, he was just, had grown up in the business or anything. He just was concerned about him, wanted to make sure he had, could make a living until he figured out what he really wanted to do. Okay, let me stop you. So, so Glenn started off on the shop floor, mm -hmm. worked his way up, mm -hmm. but his son doesn't start off on the shop floor. No, he, uh, he went to college and came out of college and tried a couple things that didn't do work so well. So he brought him, because he wanted to take care of, make sure his children were successful, he brought mm -hmm. um, Skip, name, Skip's name, he brought him in, put him, created an executive position for him in IT. Ooh, okay. Um, so there you could always already guess kind of what might be thinking of employees um, uh, of how that came in, but you know, mm -hmm. not just, to, that's just for any business owner, it's always something to have some concern about. Mm -hmm. But he mm -hmm. thought he had created something that, that wouldn't be a problem, that because of the culture he'd built in the business, and the employees and the management team, um, in essence, he felt pretty well bulletproof that things mm -hmm. could work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when he was thinking about getting out and talking about you know, not selling to some third party out there, he could have made a heck of a lot of money in that transaction. He also wanted to make sure his management team would continue because he, he felt a lot uh, very good about them. Of course, none of those people had the kind of money Mm -hmm. to buy the business right um, and maybe not even people who were wanted to be an owner per se true um, and then the last thing was was his legacy because he built that name his company name and that was known all up and down again the East Coast well thought of and um, he wanted to see that continue even if he wasn't there to mm -hmm. continue it mm -hmm. So his strategy then became, well, I will sell, instead of selling to some third party or any of those situations, I'm going to have my son become president of the company. I'm going to have him buy me out with installment payments. And that way, I'll get a steady income. I won't be putting him behind by having him, having to borrow a lot of money and mm -hmm. be in a bad situation there. And um, because he's family and because of, of my relationship with my management team, I'll be able to sort of stay involved when needed. And if I'll hear about anything if it happens, you know. And that was his strategy. Well, unfortunately, that went totally haywire almost immediately after he did that. Almost immediately. So how long do you think? It took less than three years for, for his son oh. to bankrupt the company. Oh, my gosh, Jay. And he even had a consultant come in, which that's another story. But um, so, yeah, within only three years, he bankrupted the company. So the sad thing really is then, so Glenn had to go back to work at the age of uh, 67 mm. and spent the next three years working 18-hour weeks. Oh, excuse me. 18-hour days, um, doing everything possible to get the company back on a good footing. And was Skip still working there? Skip was still working there. Okay. Skip was still working there. Um, and so, after working three years, 
He got the company completely out of debt. So rather than taking the um, strategy of, well, we filed for bankruptcy, so we don't have to pay anybody back if we don't want to, he said, we're going to pay everybody back because it's my company and it's got my name on it. So he did. Now, because of what happened, they ended up losing 200 of their 500 employees in layoffs. Oh, gosh. And that must have hurt Glenn terribly. Big time. Yes, very much so. So it's ironic that what he, the way he was trying to do something, it ended up having the opposite effect. Right. He was now, trying to avoid losing his important, the people that he valued in his employ, and instead ended up losing over half yeah, of them. Yeah, exactly. So, hmm. so when he finally got the company back on a good foot and they paid everybody off, they were now leaner, um, but even more profitable. He had another decision to make. Now what am I going to do? Am I going to come back in and stay in? I don't really want to oh, do this. this part or do really I sell me. to another company? I'm back to the same decision making. Mm. So what he ended up deciding to do, his son came to him and said, I'd like another chance. I think I've learned what I need to learn. I made big mistakes, but I'd like to do another chance. Well, in spite of other advice he decided to do that give his son one more chance and he, oh, gosh. have him take the company again um, and then almost right away his son stopped paying him uh, the bill on the rent of the buildings that my stepfather still owned on the trucks that my stepfather still owned um, laid off laid off um, a key employee because he could keep that he needed that money more than the key employee did Oh, gosh. Um, and even even suggested that Glenn go ahead and give him the buildings that they occupied, six square blocks, for, because he was going to leave it to him anyway in his will. His own son. And so wow. it's, you know, it was, people can be blinded. And when we're talking about somebody he cared very much about, he never really could understand that this was actually his worst enemy until he finally came to understand what was going on. And rather than go into a long court battle with his son, he decided to start a new company and start again. And so at 70, he starts over again with three, with four ex-employees who were laid off. Part of the management team? Yes, part of the management team. The former management team, yeah. I should say. Not oh. the entire management team, but a yeah. couple of those. Yeah. And he built that company and over five years, he sold that company um, for about one-fifth of what he could have realized mm. if he could have kept his company. Mm -hmm. But it was enough for him to take care of him and my mother, mm -hmm. thankful, thankfully. Mm -hmm. so, so you can see all the decisions that he tried. He tried to do all these things for the absolute best and maybe you could say noblest reasons. Yeah. And it ended up threatening his and my mother's lifestyle, mm -hmm. their, their whole financial well-being causes the loss of a lot of employees, um, some of his management team, and it couldn't have been much worse than that. And then to top it off, after he closed on selling this business, he found out that he had cancer and died three oh, years later gosh. from cancer. And, and so what happened to the relationship that he had with his son? It was destroyed. Totally destroyed. Oh my goodness. Um, his son, um, his name was Skip for a really good reason. You know, mm. 
as I like to say, the, the things that his father were, his son was not. So. And did they ever reconcile before Glenn passed? No, Glenn passed away before anything else could happen. And, um, and it was a real shame, and it not only affected his relationship with his son and his son's wife, but also his grandchildren. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, who had been very close to at one time, mm -hmm. those grandchildren. So it was a real heartbreaking situation. And being there, and being there to watch it all happen and have no power to do anything about it, mm -hmm. it was very difficult. So, so the costs associated with this scenario, some of them we can't really put a dollar figure to. The mm -hmm. relationship with his son, the relationship with his grandchildren, mm -hmm. the relationship with his daughter-in-law. But there was also a monetary figure, and I don't want to ask the specifics of what he sold for, what he was offered, mm -hmm. but just in round numbers, what did, an approximate value, what did this, this series of events cost? When this when, happened, I guess it's been 10 or 12 years ago now, the company at one time was worth over $50 million. Oh, gosh. That gives you some idea. Yes, it does. It sure <laughs> We're does. We're talking chicken feed here. No, no. Um, and someone who really had aligned his values with his intentions, with his his vision, mm -hmm, if you will, for mm -hmm. how he wanted to maybe not retire, but how he wanted to live life after mm -hmm. he was solely responsible for this company. Mm -hmm. Very much. Did he get the opportunity to spend any more time on the yacht powerboat business? Um, up until not while he was trying to get him out of bankruptcy. Right. Um, he did try to spend as much time as he could while operating this new company because he basically just sort of, he knew exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. And um, so he still tried, he applied the same business um, ethics and things that he'd done in running the other company for a lot of years. Uh, so I think that's why I was able to get, successfully sell this new company to another family business owner mm. who knew him and his reputation from prior to this oh, thing with nice. the son. So it also ended up costing him sort of his his passion company. Yes, and his health. Oh, yeah, and his health. You yeah, know, for that, sure. And we sure can't put a value yeah, on that. Sure, and his health. Um, and so um, it, it just basically, yes, it put a, Put a strain, and, and even even after he he decided to start another company, he still was hoping to reconcile with his son. Mm. But there was no going back. The son just felt like it's he he deserved it, and all he was interested in is milking the company for the oh, lifestyle gosh. that he wanted to create. So that's tragic. That company went down and down and down mm. when he his. Now, the, the end of the story is my stepbrother passed away um, just, I think it's now three years ago. And at the time before he passed away, he'd been in a couple of years where there was only 25 employees left. The business changed completely. Oh, wow. Um, and then the day he died, the only people in the business then were himself, his wife, and two of his three children. Oh, my goodness. Um, and, you know, and of course he helped his, you know, he helped his own death by killing himself, um, oh, which is, I'm so, so that sort of closed the chapter of, yeah. of that. And, and 
again, things that you never see coming that could that could happen in, in, in the turns mm -hmm. that complete. And uh, my experience has been, again, having being a reforming ins uh, recovering insurance agent, I'd like to say I had a lot of business clients. And not just what happened with him, I knew that if it could happen with him, it could happen to anybody. But in, even on a much, much smaller scale, I saw businesses that things fell apart because there was a, either a lot of assumptions or the uh, child just wasn't the same as the, as mm -hmm. the parent. Mm -hmm. And things, you know, fell apart later on. So, yeah. you know, so that wasn't, this wasn't a unique situation. The size of it was pretty unique. Yes, yes. I see that happening quite often now. Yeah. It's unfortunate and, and it's understandable. You know, the emotions, again, the, like, the lesson to me was, which rolls right into the kind of work you do, mm -hmm. um, is that we often think in terms of, and, and owners often think in terms of financials, making sure that when they're not in their business anymore, they'll be able to get the value of the business they've created mm -hmm. with them. But it can oftentimes be at odds with the personal emotional legacy goals. Mm. And yes. how, do you, how do you deal with that? And mm. he thought he had the right direction to go to and it ended up, you could say it ended up killing him and a lot of people lost their livelihoods. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've, we've referred a couple of times about how on paper everything looks like he's, Glenn set things up to work, mm -hmm. right? And right. To, to work profitably. Right. So, so where would you say, if, if, if you were Glenn, and I know we don't get do-overs, but if mm -hmm. you were Glenn and you were going to do this situation over, what would you do differ differently that would still be aligned with who you sure. are as a person? Well, I would look, in a, and, and, and it's great to have the best expert specialists around in their various fields, you know, tax and legal and, and everything else. But I think the, the, one of the key ingredients in Glenn did not have available at the time was he didn't have someone else who can, who can really help him focus on the things that he didn't think about or the things that he was unaware of mm -hmm. um, or didn't could even consider um, that could happen, that could somehow derail what he was trying to do. Mm -hmm. He didn't have somebody who's advocating strictly for his personal and business goals. Yeah. And, and, and someone who could have come in and said, all right, now we've got all this other information from these other people but everybody has a bias, if you will, because mm -hmm. that's what yeah. their, their focus and what their experience tells them. But he didn't have a real process in place. And when he would ask questions of the other advisors, and this I do know, they would always be responding in terms of, well, here's my experience in my particular area of business. Mm -hmm. And even when you have people that really know their stuff, um, if it's not being utilized in the correct way, because they're all living in silos, mm, yeah. um, that means the owner has to be the one who takes what everybody tells them and tries to mm. figure out a way to make it make sense. Yeah. And he didn't have that. I, you know, I, I think it's really interesting that you brought up bias, because obviously Glenn cared about his son and his son's mm -hmm. livelihood mm -hmm. a lot. Absolutely. So I, I wonder what would happen, or would one of your recommendations to family businesses who find themselves in, in this kind of situation, mm -hmm. would one of your recommendations involve 
maybe setting up a series of learning and experience goals or tasks that the, the next generation person needs to successfully complete mm -hmm. before assuming that kind of leadership role? Well, again, I think you're talking about um, having a process that it would inc mm -hmm. include that. I mean, whether you're talking about a family member or an employee who's been with you a long time yeah, or even too. looking for, to bring in the Cracker Jack person, mm. you really need to be able to know how do I determine if this person has what it takes to do the things that they're going to need to right, take. Right, exactly. Um, and how do I interpret that? Should I be the one that's going to be mentoring with that person or should am I better at running a company and not so great at mentoring people? Yeah. Should I have someone come in and can help me do that and maybe ask some of the hard questions that I don't want to be the one asking because I have this they're an employee but they're also my family member or mm. you know whatever the situation is um, and I think that's that's look that's ignored quite so often yeah. because people don't necessarily know what those right questions are um, and I and I so so I think that you know for an example um, Anybody he would ask a question of about, you know, what do I do about perhaps selling the, selling this company? Well, we're assuming that you want the most money you can, so this is absolutely the best way, mm. you know. Um, he didn't consider an ESOP because he just thought it was a means to maybe lose control and he wanted to keep control as long as he could. Mm -hmm. um, when, if you look back into it, I, I think that I think having an ESOP could have pretty much helped him with all his goals. Yeah. But for one reason or another, I think somebody might have been advocating that and he all he saw is, well, that's something you're going to get paid to do and I don't know how that helps me. Those, those kinds of things, yeah. but I think more so if he could have gotten better in touch with, um, I, want to, I want to help my, ch my son, mm -hmm. I also have a daughter, but mm -hmm. I want to help my son be successful, maybe there would have been other ways to do that without mm -hmm. creating the risk that he had for his own, his self which he never saw the danger. And the management yeah. team. And the management team, yeah. And the employees. All those people, yeah, yeah all the stakeholders. Yeah. And he tried to think about the other stakeholders, but again, mm -hmm. he was sort of living, being a business owner, he could make decisions, but he was kind of living in within only what he was told that was an option. And mm -hmm. he didn't have really, I don't think he really was able to bounce off anybody that would mm -hmm. could have given him that critical, hmm. that information or help him see through a different set of as a different perspective. And this is just a comment. It also sounds to me like when I've heard you tell the story a couple of times and, and it continues to just um, really hit home and resonate, but it also sounds like Glenn and his management team and to an extent his employees shared a set of values mm -hmm. that his son didn't necessarily share. Absolutely. And, no, and no doubt about it. And, and so even though that's such a basic thing, it sounds like mm -hmm. that would have been a good place to, a good part, a good aspect to include mm -hmm. in that mm -hmm. process of well, determining. Well, I haven't told you this part of it, but I think it's also another illustration that of, of his, he made his best salesperson an interim president uh, at one time. And of course, I think rule number one, why do you take your best salesperson, try to make him a manager? But mm -hmm. um, I was, I was able to see how that didn't work so well either because mm, there were things okay. that, that the president should have been doing 
as the president, mm -hmm. but he didn't want to make those decisions. Yeah, well, they probably didn't fit his skill yeah, set. Right, exactly. His strengths, I should say. Maybe. And so, who's to say that that couldn't have been true for the other management team, yeah. some of the others? Interesting. But again, that by itself wasn't the real problem. Yeah. You know, the real mm -hmm. problem came when he thought the management team could somehow keep what Glenn wanted to get done mm -hmm. by working with his son. And when the son doesn't, when he ignores everything that you, and he can also fire you uh, at the same time, mm -hmm. kind of makes it hard to do. Yeah. And Glenn didn't believe in second guessing his management people, even if he thought they were making a mistake, he mm -hmm. would give them the chance to make that mistake and maybe learn from it. Interesting. Yeah. So. So, so we know how this series of events impacted Skip. Mm -hmm. How has this experience impacted you in your career? Well, as you've already said, you've heard me mention this, told the story. It's still the most powerful story that I, I can ever have ever had, and it's one of the two or three re real reasons I'm doing what I'm doing right now. So we really haven't talked about that. Yeah. So can you talk, tell the listeners a little bit about what you do? Sure. Um, well, just back up a quick second. As I said, I'm a recovering insurance agent. I used to be, <laughs> yeah. anybody gets that joke, um, but I had owned a benefits firm mm. and so where we were dealing with everything from retirement plans to group health insurance and whatnot but basically um, marketing business um, insurance products and whatnot to other businesses and um, started and left my first business because I had in mind doing this very thing that we're talking about mm. as, a, as, a, as a possible um, profession and couldn't get them to, to see it, so it was easier to leave. Mm -hmm. But of course, I didn't. I didn't get anything for leaving. Um, just right. Except good luck with that. Started another company, um, and not really intending to do benefits again. But I was pretty good at getting those business opportunities. So I brought in a partner to um, help manage that part of it. Uh, and after five years, our relationship had gone south so much so that oh. it was a just a totally bad decision or bad situation and so to just get away from a toxic what I felt was a toxic environment I all, I left that firm mm -hmm. that I'd created again without getting any of the value that I created and I realized that not just in my stepfather's situation but even my own situation mm -hmm. I realized that I was not so great at taking the, my own advice that I was giving to other people Wow and it really came home to roost. So I also say I don't want anybody to go through what I went through. Yeah. So from a professional standpoint and from a personal standpoint, I know that if you really don't focus on getting your exit plan in place, mm -hmm. as I tell people, if, if you think it's hard getting into business, wait to try getting out. Yeah. You've always got to have that in mind. So that, that made me feel that somebody needed some help in creating these types of things and so that's why I decided to do what I'm doing and that's why I created business owner exit strategies mm. and so that so that's that's why we why I do what I do so I know we're getting close on time but I, I really would like to know given the experiences that you've had what do you, I'm sorry I'm very busy sir thank you what do clients gain by working with outside advisors, and what's one piece of advice you would want our listeners to walk away with? 
worth your time, but just in case. Well, the, I, I'd say that, and you're talking about outside advisors as in person I was just describing, or are you referring to attorneys like and accountants? You. Oh, okay. You know, somebody who helps with exit strategies. Okay, okay. Um, and like you, of course. Well, yes, yes. Um, I would say that you just want to get, you want to have someone that you can develop a relationship with who really under, is, is getting in deep with understanding what your passions are, what your personal goals and concerns are, what it is that you want to do when you're not doing this, because that's a very difficult question to answer. Mm -hmm. And if you've been an owner for 30 or 40 years, you just can't go from being an owner to just another Joe or Jane average. Yeah. There's going to be issues you need to understand and deal with. And that's the icky, gooey, sticky stuff that most people don't want to get involved in. Yeah, and I think people don't understand that the skill set that you use to build a business is not necessarily the skill set that's going to serve you well, well in acquiring a new lifestyle because that's really what somebody's doing is acquiring right. a new lifestyle. And they're really going in, they're venturing into the unknown. Yeah, and yeah. They're, they're so true. And, and so they've got to have someone that they can help guide them. Again, not tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. That's why we're all in business for ourselves, right? right. We don't like people telling yeah. us what to do. Yeah. But right. giving us the information, the ammunition, if you will, to be able to say, okay, I got the information, I need to make a decision, and what the pros and cons are, and I can make that decision. Absolutely. Uh, so it's being able to, it's being able to do that. So that's what, to me, is the, um, the critical, critical force. And by and large, this whole umbrella, if you will, of transition planning, exit planning, whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it, is fairly new. You know, it hasn't been around all that long, and so um, there are people who have the skill set to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. You know. You are much better than I am in getting down to those emotional nitty-gritty holes. And so, you know, what I would say is people like us try to help our clients understand this is a team sport. Yeah. And so you've got to be able to collaborate and coordinate and play well with other people in order to get the, the job done for the benefit of the client. And um, I think that's, a, that's something that's not often totally understood. And I, I think the other piece of it is to not only collaborate with a team of people like us who can help you with the financial outcomes, but also generate desired outcomes within the family relationships. Yes. I will say that all business is family business. When you have someone True. who owns a business, and even if there's no family, it still affects the family and affected mine. Yeah, so. yeah the relationships yep. are huge. Okay, so now I've given you a minute to think about it. So what's one piece of advice that you would ask our listeners to really take to heart in this situation? Um, I would say just decide that to take some time and really start looking at this situation because we all have a dip tendency to say I can do that tomorrow and tomorrow comes around pretty fast and if you wait until you think you're finally ready mm -hmm. you may find that it's too late yeah it's never too soon to start mm -hmm. and I would say start a process wherever you are right now you should start a process of look thinking through these kinds of issues mm -hmm. and what 
what you would love to see when you're doing your onto your next project, as we would call it. We don't like yes. to say retirement. What's that next project going to look yeah. like? And um, have the ability to get help and ask questions because again, you could do this for a while on your own, but your head's gonna start hurting after a while. You need to be able to somehow work with one or more people to help you come up with the process, is my mm -hmm. favorite word, um, on how to evaluate things like this yourself. Um, and uh, if you start early, it won't be, you won't have to, it won't be so hard to accomplish mm -hmm. these things but if you try to do it like, okay, I've decided I want to get out next year, life's not going to be too much fun. No, and it's going to be more expensive. I, I think you, much leave, more. you leave a lot of money on the table when you don't. It, and it, I heard a story actually, my next guest, you guys, you're going to hear about this, this family business ran into a consultant who said, I think I can really help the situation. The fee was $20,000. The family said no. Three years later, it, it had cost them a lot more than twenty thousand mm -hmm. dollars. So I think your example of sharing the story of Glenn, but then also the two businesses that you yourself started. I mean, there are all sorts of costs associated Absolutely. with not taking not taking the time and and giving the attention this type of situation demands. Well, if we if we have another thirty seconds, I think you've sure. heard me say this before. But I, right now, one analogy that still works for me is it's like when you own a house and you buy this house you know based on the size perhaps say it's based on how many kids I have or whatever but you buy a house because you need shelter you buy a house because you want to live in a certain place in a certain manner um, you might buy that house for all kinds of different reasons and those reasons may change as as things go along mm -hmm. but you're also not going to buy the house presumably without maintaining the house and painting it every now and again and maybe you, re, you know, re, redo some room you don't like, the favorite is the kitchen. Um, again, you may not be thinking this has anything to do with financial, I'm doing this because I want to enjoy my home much more mm -hmm. and make it more fun to live in, mm -hmm. when in fact you're not only preserving the value of that house, but you're also increasing the value of that yes. house. So when you Great do point. decide it's time to sell, mm -hmm. And it's an up market at that time. It doesn't take much for you to be ready to go ahead and put it on the market and take right. advantage of those that season. Yeah. Whereas somebody who's never applied a paintbrush to that home and has done nothing mm. will may have to likely have to spend thousands of dollars to get it ready or won't be spending any money, but they won't get anywhere close to what they were hoping or needed to get for that house. Yeah. So the business can work the same way, whether you're a business owner who looks at your business as, as an asset and investment, mm -hmm. or, or you're an owner that's really more of a lifestyle, yeah. that's gonna you know, come, come into play. So that's why I tell people doing the planning like we're talking about, mm -hmm. you know, the hidden benefit is you know, you're, gonna, you're gonna end up enjoying what you're doing that much more and making your business that much more profitable yeah. in addition to getting more perhaps later. Yeah, I love that. Maximizing those returns and minimizing those regrets. Very good. <laughs> it's a great one. I like that line. Hey, Jay, thanks for being my guest today. I really appreciate your take, taking the time to share that story. And I so appreciate that Glenn was willing to have you share it on his behalf. 
And I admire your willingness to partner not only with business owners, but other advisors. I mean, and you've given us a chance to learn not only from Glenn's experiences, but from your own. And I honor you and appreciate that as well. Wow, now I'm blushing. You guys can't see it. But thank you so <laughs> much, uh, and I appreciate your, your asking. And after all, I think shared experiences are more important than mm -hmm. advice, mm -hmm. oftentimes. Yeah. So, Jay, if people want to reach out to you or get in touch, how should they do that? Well, they can reach out to me by reaching out to you. Okay. Or um, they can either call me, 8804-726-6011, uh, or they can email me at uh, boesva.com. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And listeners, if you'd like to learn more about working with Jay, or with me as your coach, feel free to call me at 804-372-7575 or go to my website, ascendtosell.com. And I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your contacts. Have a good day.